So today's daf is Nunchet in Yoma. We are 11 lines from the top of um, Nunchet Amud Aleph, where we left off yesterday, Natan Tamale Barikan. It says he places what is full and what is empty. So the Gemara is going to try to uh, decide what exactly that means. So the simple, uh, the way that, that translated it when we read, read the Mishnah was in accordance with the final conclusion, which is that the um, that he pours from one into the other in order to mix them. Uh, in other words, that first he pours, he pours, and then he pours back. In other words, he pours, he pours them together, and then he pours the mixture into the now empty container, so that they are uh, fully mixed. But the question is, if a person, uh, if the kohen takes mizrak betoch mizrak, in other words, he has two containers, one within the other. Um, and he, he's, so he's holding the outer container, but the blood actually goes into the inner container. So what's the status of that? Do we say that there's an interruption, basically, between the hands of the Kohen and the vessel that's actually receiving blood? Or no, it's okay, since it's the same thing. They're made of the same material, presumably. So therefore, it's not a problem. Oh, we learned it already. So his first assumption was, and that's why, he, basically, he was reading the Mishnah to mean that the full container that now contains the blood of both the Sa'ir and the Par is placed into, in other words, to consolidate, you know, like when you consolidate, usually you do that when you're cleaning up or something, you take the cups and you put them all together to, in order to discard it. He's not discarding it, but the point is in order to consolidate, he puts the, um, the, the one that's full inside the one that's empty, right? That's how he's interpreting it. So he says, ah, you see that it's okay because then he's going to carry that. Does, no, that's not what it means. No. That doesn't mean that he actually combines the cups together, that he has, that he's holding the outer cup, which is actually technically the dirty cup, and the inner cup is the one that's full. That's not what it means. It means that he actually pours it back into the empty cup in order to mix them, right? Because it says that you're supposed to, uh, you're supposed to, uh, stir right, stir them. In other words, that the point is that you first put the power into the sa'ir and then you pour it back into the empty, uh, into the empty container, right? That's the, that's the uh, the way that you mix it best. Okay, but it has nothing to do with the outer the outer container being uh, or the inner the, the container that's full being placed in the empty container. So it says that if the Kohen is the Kohen also is not allowed to have anything imposing between his body and the floor of the Bet HaMikdash, in addition to not being able to have anything in between his hand, let's say in the Kli, or between the Kli, you know, or anything else like that. He's not allowed to have anything in between his feet and the Bet HaMikdash. So if he's standing on a vessel or on the foot of his friend, it would now aside from the fact that his friend might not be happy about that, but it's, that has nothing to do with it. The point is that he's not allowed to stand on his friend's foot, even though it's Min Bemina. No, meaning it's human foot and human foot are the same thing. So it says, so you see from there that it's pasul. So therefore, even though you have two items which are essentially the same, two human feet, they do not, you know, one is still going to be considered an interposition before the other one. So it says, no, shani He can't negate the existence of his friend's foot. It's not his foot. In other words, you could say that by consolidating, taking a cup that is had the blood in it before and is now empty, and taking the full cup, putting the full cup into the empty cup, you're kind of neg- you're negating the independent existence of that empty cup. You're saying now I'm doubling cups, right? Like you sometimes doubled bags, or you used to back when they didn't charge you money for ha- for bags at the supermarket. You might have doubled your bags so that it didn't break, right? So you're not really thinking of each bag separately. You're combining, so you're combining it, but you can't say my foot and the other guy's foot is one. 
one because the other guy's foot is not significant. You can so actually using that logic. This this actually becomes a proof the other way because it says agabe chaviro. But but meaning on your own photo should be okay, right? That's true. You could read it that way. That's good. That's a good point. Um, in the end, it doesn't it doesn't make a decision either way, right? Then it says This was the question. Forget about the question of interpretation. So maybe that's basically going your way. In other words, you could say that that second version is basically taking your point. That no, if it's min no, it's not an issue of whether there is an interposition or not. There's chatzitah or not. It's just a question of whether derch shirut bekach. Is it considered an appropriate way of conducting the avodah to have a double uh, double kli like that? Right? It wasn't really a question of chatzitah, like you said. So Tashima, come and listen to, to an answer to that because the Tarad Rabbi Shmael, the Yishivav Rabbi Shmael taught at Kol Kelei Asharet, Asher Yisharavtu Vam Bakodesh, Shenei Kelim B'Sherut Echad. It says that um, all of the Kelei Asharet, all of the service vessels that they serve with them in the holy place. It says Shenei Kelim, right? Kelei Asharet. Right, so it, it says it, it's in a uh, plural, right? Kelei Asharet. So that means v'sheirut achat, but it's one shirut. So meaning the combination wouldn't be a problem. So that seemed to conclude the way that you're saying that since it's min b'mino, it wouldn't really be an int- issue of interposition. And since they're combining for one purpose, it would be okay. What if you take the 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 sieve is basically a um, it's organic material. What it is is a like, sort of a uh, a growth that is around the palm tree on the outside. I think it's called bast in English or something like that. It's a it grows around the outside. It's kind of a leaf, I guess you could say. That, and if you put that inside the Mizrach, so now forget about min bimino. We've seemed to conclude that min bimino is not a problem. If it's the same item and you combine it, it wouldn't be a problem. But what about min bisheno mino? Obviously, this uh, leaf is not the same as the vessel. So does it? In, if you receive the blood in there, is it going to be a problem? Because it didn't really go into the vessel. It went onto this leaf. Oh, I know Right, so what's the question? Maybe you'll say that since it's 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 uh, something which is porous. In other words, the, the liquid will go through it. It's not so solid that the liquid will not pass through it. So therefore, you could say that uh, that it would be not considered an interposition because it, it, it will basically, um, if you put the blood in there and you leave it there, eventually it will seep through into the vessel anyway, so it's, maybe it's not really significant, or maybe it doesn't make a difference at all. What? You put a leaf in there. Yeah, I don't know, it fell in. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Right, so either you put it in or, 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 or it fell in. Either way, I don't know how it would fall in, but it could. Right, it was on your clothes, I don't know. So either way, the question is, does it make a difference, min no mino, and does it make a difference that this particular... Uh, enomino is porous. It's something that uh, that the liquid could penetrate. Amarlei, Tanena, we learned this already, and we see that there's a correction should see Tanitua, but uh, same thing, we've learned it already. Zolev So it's talking about a case where... Um, where the uh, where they were making this is a mishnah actually from a sechet para from the uh, where which talks about the preparation of the uh, para aduma ashes and it talks about a, a something called a shoket which essentially is a we call it a trough in English that might not be the best uh, translation in this case but the water for the um, for the paraduma has to be maim chaim. It has to be, you know, from a spring water. So uh, that it can't be like the spring water that you buy in the store. That's really just you know filtered fake <laughs> fake. Uh, it has to be real. So they would they they had this stone. Sometimes next to the spring they would have sort of a stone 
uh, uh, there that might be a natural stone, actually, but had a hole in the side that would, have, would take the water in, and they would use it as a kind of a trough. They could bring their animals there to drink from it, or they could take the water from there. So if you took, the, let's say you had something like that, and you decide to make the paraduma ashes in this thing, right? So you say, oh, it's a na- it's natural formation that I can use to, co- the water collects in there. And you know what? We're going to make this for the paraduma rather than, you know, and that way, whenever we want to take it into a smaller container in order to, uh, to sprinkle it on somebody, we just go to this naturally uh, existing thing. We make a large amount and we take it and we, we sprinkle it. So the thing is you can only go, it says in that case, um, if you have a, sp- let's say there's a sponge on the bottom. So the sponge absorbs some of the water that would otherwise be Maim Chaim. Once the sponge absorbs that water, it's no longer considered Maim Chaim anymore because it was collected in some other form. So you're not allowed to use that. It has to be something which was only in that stone vessel alone, but never absorbed into the sponge. So that's why it says, if you want to draw water from there, you have to wait until, you have to, um, collect water only up to that sponge. You can't take the water that was in that sponge. So what do you see? That the water that was in that sponge, so you see it's not considered to be a, a problem. Why not? Because even though the sponge is on the bottom and the water is supposed to be collected in a vessel, the only water you're not allowed to use is the water that actually was absorbed by the sponge. But the water that's in the vessel is considered in the vessel, even though there's a sponge in there. We don't say, oh, the sponge blocks the water from really being able to get to the bottom of the vessel, so it's not really in there. We don't say that it's not really in there because there's a sponge in there. So, so, so too we could say here that putting a leaf on the bottom of the Mizrak, or inside the Mizrak, the container, is not going to be a problem because the you, because it's not considered to be a blockage of the blood touching the inside of the cleat. But the Gemara says, Shane Maya de cliche. And again, you have the thing, you have the reality that water is very, very uh, mobile. In other words, water goes around anything. So you can't, the, the water is not, not going to touch the bottom of that cleat because you have a sponge in there. It goes around it, it goes everywhere. Water goes everywhere. It'll eventually seep all around it. Even if it doesn't go through it, it'll go around it. But blood that you collect might, isn't quite as, I guess the word is viscous or I don't know what the term would be, but it doesn't move, um, it doesn't have the same mobility as, um, water. as water. So it's not going to go around necessarily and, and touch the bottom of the clee. So maybe having a leaf in there will actually block it from touching the bottom of the clee. So you can't compare. Some say, no, this was the conclusion. That when it comes to blood, blood is... Pour, you know, moves enough, will seep enough that a leaf will not block it. But if you did the same thing with a mincha, we know that when the Kohen takes the kometz, he has to take a handful of the mincha and also put it in a kli and then take the kli, take the vessel over to the mizbeach. In that case, definitely it won't seep through a leaf that's on the bottom of the container. So there, the leaf definitely been considered chatzitza and it won't be considered that he put the kometz into a kli. But when it comes to blood, that is um, liquidy enough that it will go around whatever is inside the kli, so it won't be considered that that leaf is an interposition. So it seems like the conclusion is really the leaf is a chatzitza. It's just that since liquid is involved and liquid will get around any blockage that you have from a leaf or whatever, 
a sponge. So therefore, we're not concerned about this kind of a chatzitza. But if it were something that actually prevented the liquid from getting around, or if we weren't talking about liquid, we're talking about solid, having a leaf there would be considered blocking it from touching the walls of the vessel because it wouldn't really actually get around them at all. And that seems to be the conclusion of the Gemara. And we turn to Amud Bet, Nurchet Amud Bet. We have a Mishnah continuing the Seder Avodav, the Kohen. This is after the Kohen has exited the Kodesh HaKodeshim. And he, and he also has applied the sprinkling, not only the sprinkling of the blood inside the Kodesh HaKodeshim, but also the sprinkling of the blood on the Parochet or towards the Parochet. Now he comes to El HaMizbech Shelefnei Hashem. And the Mishnah says, It's talking about the golden altar, which we know is centered in the middle of the Kodesh. You come out, if you come into the Kodesh HaKodeshim, you would walk in and you would see, to your left would be the Menorah, to your right would be the Shulchan, in the middle would be the, the golden altar where the Ketoret is um, is offered on a daily basis, not the Kodesh HaKodeshim one, the one that's offered on a daily basis, once in the morning, once in the afternoon. It was a small Mizbeach. It was short and it was it was uh, it, it was small, okay. And if you see pictures, it's like it's it's like you know only two amot high, and it's you know it's it's very it's like at the uh, waist length. I mean, I guess it depends how tall the kohen gadol is, but if you look at pictures, you'll see that it's short. Um, so he comes to this mizbech, and now he has to apply the blood to this mizbech. So how does he do that? And we know the Torah says that he has to. Uh, he has to place the blood on the corners of on the on the horns, so to speak, because it has protrusions in the four corners of this altar. He has to place the blood on there. Okay, so it says he goes downwards. Now what that means is, in, instead of going upwards, he according to Rashi. He smears the blood on. According to the Rambam, he actually sprinkles it on. According to Rashi, he smears it on. So Rashi says, if he were to go mimata lemala, if he were to go milemata lemala, meaning that his hand is going upwards, he starts from below and he goes upwards, so that would be bad because then the blood will drip onto his clothes. It's going to drip onto his sleeve and he doesn't want that to happen. So instead he goes like this. He go, that's why it says he's going to go mechatev He's going to hold his finger like this. And go downwards to keep it so that it doesn't trip. But if he did this, in other words, if he turned his hand upside down, palm upward, and he went upward, he did an upward motion, so then the blood would fall onto his sleeve. He doesn't want that to happen. So therefore, he is going to go down. From which corner of the Mizbech does he? Because uh, obviously there's four. So so he starts from the east, the, the northeastern uh, corner, Tzfonit Maravit, then the northwestern corner, Maravit Dromit, then the west, the uh, southwest, and then Dromit Mizrachit, and then the southeast. Now, what does that mean? What that means is if you're, if the Kohen Gadol, if you walk in, let's st- actually, let's wait a second, let's start the other way. If you, if you are, if you walk into the, into the Kodesh, right? So to, again, to, you're facing west. So to your left is the south, and to your right is the, is the north. Right? So, it, so if we're talking about Mizrachit Sephonit, okay, that would mean the one that's to your right immediately when you, when you walk in, it will be to your right. Okay? The, right, the Kohen Gadol is coming out of the Kodesh HaKodeshim. So it's, he has to pass the Mizbeach in order to get to that. Okay? <laughs> to pass it and to go to his left, right, in order to get there. Then he goes, to, after he starts from Mizrachit Sephonit, he goes to Tzfonit Maravit, which means he walks back towards the Kodesh HaKodeshim. 
So in order to do this, you have to walk out of the Kodesh Kodeshim. You have to walk past the Mizbech, come to the northeastern corner, then walk to the northwestern corner, which means retracing your steps towards the Kodesh Kodeshim again. Okay? Then Maravit Romit, which means turning left. Then Dromit Mizachit, turning left again. Makom Shumatchil. That the same place that he would normally start with a chatat on the outer altar is where he ends with a chatat here. In other words, the last thing he's going to be doing is dormit mizachit. He's the last thing he's going to uh, that he's going to apply the blood is going to be the southeastern side, right? So that southeastern side is exactly where they start with the application of blood on, an, on the outer altar. So it's exactly the reverse. That has to do with the location of the kevish on the outside because the ramp on the outside is located also to the south uh, of the Mizbech. It's facing to the south and basically towards the west. So it, when he would go up, he would turn right. So his first destination would be to the... Sa- his first corner that he would encounter would be the south eastern corner, which which here is the opposite, because you're actually going left. According to this, you're making, you're kind of like, you're, I mean, I guess you're facing this back, so you're turning, you could call it to the right, but it's like you're walking back. If you were looking from, uh, you know, if you're standing back and looking, it looks like the Kohen is going like this, 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 and this. And it looks like he's going, he's going to start here from the, he's going to start from the south, from the northeast. He's going to go to the to the northwest, and so he, he looks like he's turning left to you, right? Because he's going to make like a reverse U um, or a chet shape uh, when he walks that way. Uh, in the in the outer altar, he he goes up the ramp and he makes a right, so he comes to the southeast first. Here he's going to end on the southeast. Now that's the way. That's the first way. Okay. Now Rabbi Eliezer Omer Omed. First of all, he didn't walk around the mizbeach. It's too small. He doesn't have to walk around it. Omechate. Hey, he can he can place the blood standing in one place. Fal kulana yanoten milamata lemala. Chutz mizo shaita lefanav shayanoten milamala lemata. He says all of them he would place milamata lemala, meaning he could go he could go upwards on all of the other ones. Why? Because we said what's the reason why he doesn't normally do that? According to the first opinion. He's always going to be mechatev yored. He's always going to go from up downwards. Why? Because he wants to keep his hand this way with his, you know, his palm down because that way the blood will not drip back on his shirt. If he does it like this, it's going to drip back on his shirt. Right? But that's only because, according to the first Tana, he's walking around the Mizbech. So at every point, the corner of the Mizbech that he's placing it on is right in front of him. Right? So it's close to it. But if you're reaching across, so then you can more easily actually go from up to down. You're going to face your palm downwards even when you go from up to down because you're going to reach like this across. You're not going to do like this. How can you reach okay. from the other so, side like this? What do you mean? If it's here and it wants to do this corner here. No, if it's the one right in front of you, it's saying the one right in front of you. And you can do like Right? No so problem. he says the one right in front of you, that one you're going to do mi lemala lemata. You're going to do like this it's because right. yeah. you want to uh, control that you don't drip it on your hand. But the other ones you can do from down up because yes. you're stretching over anyway. So yes. it's not going to drip on you because you're stretching over anyway. Yes. Right? So, so that's because you're standing in one place according to this. Right? Then he would sprinkle on the middle of the Mizbech seven times. That's after he's applied it to all the four corners. He would place the leftover blood on the western 
um, base of the altar. Now we're going to learn, the Gemara is going to explain why and derive why, but basically um, when he comes from the Kodesh, with this blood that he applied in the Kodesh is going to be placed on the western uh, base as opposed to the southern one. Normally the southern base was the one that was used when a Chatat was offered on the outer altar. And all of this blood ends up in the channel the, um, that takes things out of the Beit HaMikdash. It goes to the Valley of Kedron, which was the, basically this, it goes out to this river, to this, you know, this valley area that, um, where it was collected, and basically they they sold it as fertilizer because people use blood for fertilizer, right? But they would do But it was considered the property of the Beit Hamikdash until they paid for it. So you would commit meila if you took it for free. But they but people would pay for it. Maybe they thought it had a segula. It was special because it came from the blood of korbanot. But uh, it it was a, a it made money for the Beit Hamikdash. So basically, this blood that was poured on the base, it doesn't stay on the base. It drips down into this. Um, Disposal kind of channel, and then it flows out of the Beit Hamikdash eventually. The and then people. Then. Afterwards that the, uh, it's, it's too late. You already committed mila if you do that. I mean, I think it's a mila de rabbanan. It's not the right, but so you wouldn't bring a korban for the mila. But the, it, you can't even if you pay afterwards. That's when you're already in trouble. Like when you commit mila normally, we learned in Masechet Mila. When you commit mila normally, you have to bring a korban. You have to make restitution. But you did the sin already. You can make restitution, but it doesn't undo what you did. Now, why does it say he went out to the mizbeach? He didn't actually go out because he's still in. He goes from the kodesh kodeshim to the kodesh, right? And then he applies the blood to the parochet. What do you mean? He didn't go out. It would sound like he went to the outer altar, but he didn't. He's in the inner altar. So what does it mean? So So very interesting. We learned something about this. There's a difference. We know there's two cases really in which the Kohen Gadol or the Kohen applies the blood to the parochet or towards the parochet. One is on Yom Kippur and the other one is parabal kola mitzvot. That if the, uh, if the community sins under the direction of the Bet Din that they made a mistake, like we learned in Masechet Orayot. So there's a korban called parahelem davar shatzibur, which is this communal korban where also the blood gets applied in the Kodesh to the parochet. There's a difference though that when it comes to the blood, right, when it, only if it's avodazor. If it's avodazor, it's parvisayir. If it's, if it's a regular, any other sin, then it's just a par. Okay, yeah. Now, when the coin goes in, the difference is that when he throws the blood towards the parochet, when it's the parabal kola mitzvot, he doesn't stand past the mizbeach. Remember, the mizbeach is in between. Right? The mizbeach is in between you and the parochet. If you were to walk in, you have to go around the mizbeach in order to get to the parochet. So when he does parabal kola mitzvot, he stands... Far, further away when he sprinkles the blood towards the parochet. When he stands uh, for Yom Kippur, since he's coming out of the Kodesh HaKodeshim and he turns right back around, right? So he's already on the inside of the, uh, of the, of the Mizbech. So in order to get to the Mizbech, he has to go out, so to speak. He has to pass it. Right? So it says, meaning where was he that he has to go out, so to speak? He was in within the Mizbeach, meaning he was past the Mizbeach already. Because why? Because he went into the Kodesh HaKodeshim. The Kohen, the Kohen that performs the Parhelem Devar Shalzibor doesn't go into the Kodesh HaKodeshim. Only to the Kodesh. Not to the Kodesh HaKodeshim. That only happens on Yom Kippur. So the only time he's past the Golden Mizbeach is on Yom Kippur. Since he was coming out of the Kodesh HaKodeshim and he turns around and applies the blood to the Parochet, so that's why, uh, that's why he's past the Mizbeach. And Vyatzala Mizbeach, he has to go out 
to the Mizbeach to show that, right? Tanya Idach, another bright that says, the Fnei Hashem. It says the words of Fnei Hashem, Matam Odomar, Amar Bin Echemia, Lefisha Matzino, Bapar Veseo, Shiyom Akipurim, Shikoyen, Omid Lefnim, Mina Mizbeach, Umazel, Aparochet, Bishashu Mazel, Yachol, Av Zeken. So now this is talking about, this Lefnei Hashem is talking about the Parhelem Davashat Tzibur, and it's comparing it to Yom Gibur. It's saying you might have thought that just like the Kohen Gadol stands past, he goes past, further in, past the golden altar to apply the blood to the Parochet on Yom Kippur. So you might think that with this, um, the par helem davar shal tibur should be the same. Amod lamar mizbach ketorat asamim lefnei Hashem, asher oil moed mizbeach lefnei Hashem, then kohen lefnei Hashem. That's why when it describes the uh, the application of the blood for that korban for the communal korban that is not Yom Kippur, it says that he should apply it al karnot mizbach ketorat asamim lefnei Hashem, asher oil moed. Right, it's talk. It says that the mizbeach is the fnei Hashem, not the kohen. Meaning the the kohen doesn't go further in than the mizbeach. Haketzad omed chutz mizbeach umazeh. In that case, he doesn't go further in past the mizbeach. He stays outside the mizbeach when he applies the blood. So that's an interesting difference. That you, you, one way to think of it is that since the I mean I'm not uh, I'm not being uh, uh, trying to get too too much into the to the philosophical idea, but one one way of thinking of it is that since the Kohen Gadol went into the Kodesh HaKodeshim, so in that case, his applying of blood to the Parochet is almost like a completion of that mitzvah related to the Kodesh HaKodeshim, so he's still standing right up in front of the Parochet, he doesn't have, but when, when the Kohen Gadol comes to approach uh, well, because there was a sin offering of the community, so he isn't going to the Kodesh HaKodeshim, and he isn't getting into that framework of the Kodesh HaKodeshim, so he stands behind the golden altar when he applies the blood towards the Parochet. He doesn't go past it, okay? It says in this picture, it shows him directly behind the altar. Do we know whether he's really directly behind it or to the side behind? You mean uh, in the Parhelim Devash uh, Sibur? I don't know, but it would. It is right in front of it. You mean? There's room on the right of it. Or yeah, he could go to the right or left and do an ang- an angle himself. I don't know if it has to be that it's directly behind it. It just sounds that like he can't go past it. That's the line. Yeah. So, now we talk about the order of applying the blood to this golden altar. So, so, so this Baita says he starts from the, the, not like what we said in the Mishnah. The Mishnah said the northeast. This says the southeast. Then southwest. This is the reverse, basically, of what we read in the Mishnah. Maravit Tzvonit, then Northwest, and then and then Tzvonit Mizrachit, and then Northeast. Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva reverses the order of our Mishnah. He has the person, the Kohen Gadol, starting from the Southeast, which would be to if you're standding in the if you walk into the Kodesh, would be to your left, right? Instead. Right, to the right. But I'm saying to the, to, if you're standing when you come into the Kodesh, to your left, whereas the Mishnah had him on your right. I'm Rabbi Yosei Aglili. I'm sorry, Rabbi Yosei Aglili Omer. Nikeren Mizrachit Tzifonit, Tzifonit Maravit, Maravit Romit, Omin Mizrachit. Right, so in other words, he has what our Mishnah says, that you start from the northeast and you start, and you go around. According to Rabbi Akiva, you start from the southeast and go around. Makom Rabbi Yosei Aglili Matchil. Sham Rabbi Akiva Posek. Makom Rabbi Akiva Matchil. Sham Rabbi Yosei Aglili Posek. They basically have the exact reverse, that according to Rabbi Akiva, you start from the southeast and you end up in the, uh, in the, in the northeast. And according to Rabbi uh, Yosei Aglili, you're going to start in the northeast and you're going to end in the southeast. 
right? So it's a, they're going to be exactly reverse. But however, but the interesting thing is that nobody thinks you should start on the west side of the Mizbech. Even though when the Kohen Gadol walks out of the Kodesh HaKodeshim, the first part of the Mizbech he sees is the west, because the, the Kodesh HaKodeshim is further west. So when he comes out of the Kodesh HaKodeshim, he's facing the golden altar. To his left is the northern side, because now he's facing east, right? Because he's coming out. So to his left side is going to be the northern side. To his right side is going to be the south, but he's going to be on the west side of the Mizbech. Why doesn't he start from either the the north or the south of the west side of the Mizbech. Why does he go to the east side of the Mizbech and work backwards? So that's my time. That's why the Pasuk says, He has to go out to the Mizbech. So he doesn't start from what he sees first, but he goes out first. He has to pass the entire Mizbech first. Right? So now the question is, according to Rabbi Akiva, that he starts from the south, according to Rabbi Akiva, he's starting from the south southeast. Right, so if you're starting from the southeast, so that means that you you are standing in the corner. That if you were if you were looking from the entrance of the kodesh, right, not from the kodesh hakodeshim, but if you were looking from the entrance of the kodesh, he would be on your left, right. So so, and then you're gonna go. He's gonna go back west, and he's gonna come around this way. So it says Rabbi Akiva Nakif why doesn't he go to his right? Because he's standing on the southeast corner, right. So really, to his right would next be the northeast corner. Right, he should turn to his right. Why does he not turn to his right? right so, because so, uh, so, according to Rabbi Yosei that he's starting from the northeast, so, right, so he's turning to his right, basically, if he's facing the Mizbech. He's turning to his right. But according to Rabbi Akiva, he's turning to his left. So the question is, why doesn't he turn to his right? So it says, maybe... Maybe they're arguing about this whole concept of turning to the right that we learn from something of Rami Bar Yecheskel. Shlomo Melech made a gigantic pool, right? A gigantic mikveh outside, right? And it was resting on these 12 bulls, like statues, statues, right? So, so three of them. It says three of them, Shoshaponim Tsafona, three of them face north, Shoshaponim Yama, three of them face to the west, Shoshaponim Negba, three of them to the south, Shoshaponim Mizracha, right? So, and, and three of them face to the east, Vayam Alehem in And the water, you know, the actual container that had the water was above them, right? Vekola Choyem Baita. So the, the idea is that. Um, that the and their backs were facing within. In other words, you don't see the tush of the uh, bowl because it's facing in because it would not look very very nice, right? So the um, right. So, but the idea is that uh, the idea is that um, since it started from the north, right? If you're if you're at the north, right, then west would be to your right. If you're standing to the nor- on the north side of the mizbeach, west is to your right. Right, so it's turning to the right. So he said the way he describes it is going around to the right. So maybe, and, and that teaches you, right, they learn from that, that you should always turn to the right. So that would mean that, uh, that more it later, Rabbi Bar Yecheskel, Rabbi Yossi Aglili is following Rabbi Bar Yecheskel, that you should always turn to the right. So since you're starting from the northeast, so therefore you should turn to the right and next go to the northwest, right? Huh? It was designed. They had design of all kinds of designs. They had all kinds of kruvim and everything. It was artistic design. It was okay. And the other one doesn't hold. In other words, maybe that's the whole issue. That according to Rabbi Akiva, it doesn't matter. And according to Rabbi Yossi, it does matter. 
No, everybody agrees that in general you should turn to the right. And by the way, there's a big discussion about like lighting Chanukiah based upon this whole discussion of uh, turning to Derech Yamin. What you should do, should you, you know, we do that you always, you move to the right. You start from the new one and you move to the right. But there's another opinion that says, no, you should start from the right. We don't do that, but it's, it, there's all kinds of discussions about the putting right first and what, what exactly it means in different questions. Is there? I never heard. That's not really, yeah. it's hard to say that because there's not, it's not really a mitzvah opening the echal. You don't like need to have a echal. It's not, not a, uh, not really a, like a mitzvah really. It's like a custom that we have. But either way, um, so the question would be, no, maybe really everybody holds that way, but that according to Rabbi Akiva, it's true in general that you always turn derech yamin, because when the Kohen Gadol, or when, when a regular Kohen goes up to do the Avodah, he always turns to the right when he comes up the ramp. It's true, you always turn to the right. The only question is whether that's relevant inside the Kodesh or only outside. So according to Rabbi Akiva, it's not relevant inside, it's only relative, relevant outside. Okay, fine. So once you're going to tell me that Rabbi Akiva basically doesn't care, right? It's not that he says you have to go to your left. He doesn't care. So if he doesn't care, why not go to the right? What difference does it make then? Why does he specifically tell you, start from the south east and go to your left? Why, do, why can't you go to the right then? I'll tell you the reason why. Because really, the first corner that you run into is the one you should have started with. So since he started in the first corner he ran to, right, that's what I was going to say. Since the first corner he started with was really the southwest, because he comes out of the Kodesh Kodeshim, and the first one he's going to see is west. So, because in general we don't pass over mitzvot, right? But he's forced to pass the corner of the mizbeach because he has to go once he passed Karen, that Karen to fulfill the mitzvah he goes back to the one he, he passed in order to so to speak repair it you know because he because he passed it and he was he, he was he passed the mitzvah so he goes back to it so that's why in this case he's going to turn back to the one that he saw first. So since he came out on the, according to Rabbi Akiva, he came out on the southwest side. So he first came to the southwest corner. He went to the southeast corner to fulfill Vietzai Lemizbech, to pass the Mizbech. And then he turns around and he goes back to the first corner that he saw, which would have been the southwest. Maybe you'll say, If we hold that you have to walk around the Mizbeach, just like you walk around the Mizbeach outside, then everybody would agree that you have to turn to the right. Even Rabbi Akiva, but here we have a different machloket. That maybe Rabbi Akiva holds you don't have to actually walk around the Mizbeach because it's very small. The Mizbeach has a small. So he doesn't have to. So maybe that's why Rabbi Akiva says you can do that. But if you had to walk around, he would agree that you have to go to the right. Maybe maybe everybody really agrees that you don't have to move your body. You could just use your hands. That you could say that, no, even if everybody agreed that you don't have to walk around the Mizbech, they still could have a legitimate dispute. Do we, in, do we apply the same rule when you walk around to when you're using your hand and going around? Does the idea of pre- preferring to turn to the right apply even when you're using your hand and you're not actually moving your body? And that would be the machloket, that according to, that more, in other words, according to that, 
Meaning you did, but then you're standing there. So does it really matter? I'm not going to walk around the Mizbech. I'm just going to reach over. So do I have to reach over to the right first? No, it doesn't matter. I'm standing anyway. So Rabbi Akiva says you could go this way. And Rabbi says, no, no, no. Since you're going to be going around something, even though your body isn't moving, you should go to the right first. Right? But that, is that really true that Rabbi Yossi Aglili agrees that you can only, that you only move your hand and not your body? From the fact that in our Mishnah we see that Rabbi Eliezer says you stand still when you apply the blood. We see that, Rabbi, that the Tanakh Kama, which we know is Rabbi Yossi Aglili from the directions that he says, says that you have to walk around. Rather, we go back to our original supposition, which was that that according to Rabbi Akiva, you don't have to move your body. Therefore, the turning to the right is not relevant. According to Rabbi Yossi Aglili, you do have to move your body. And therefore, you have to turn to the right. So you go from northeast to northwest. You're following the direction of right. Now, the Ibait Emma should be taken out here and said, Ubehaka Mipalgate should just say, In other words, one is holding that going around the Mizbeach, the inner Mizbeach is just like the outer Mizbeach. So therefore, you have to walk around the whole thing. And Rabbi Akiva says, No, the whole size of the whole Mizbeach inside is basically the size of one corner of the outer Mizbeach. So you don't have to walk around it. Why would you have to walk around it? It's that you're able to reach around the whole thing. It's like standing in front of one corner of the outer Mizbech. It's so small. Tanya, I'm Rabbi Ishmael. Rabbi Ishmael said, I think the Rishon is taken out, right? They just say, B-b-b-b-b-gdash. There were two Kohanim Gdolim. One said, I just used my hand. I didn't walk around. And the one said, No, I walked around. They each gave an explanation. In other words, they basically gave the exact same answer that we just saw. That one says, look, just like you're supposed to physically walk around the outer Mizbech, you should also physically walk around the inner Mizbech. And the other one says, no, that since here the entire inner Mizbech is the size that they mention of just one horn, one corner of the outer Mizbech. And you don't walk around the horn of the outer Mizbech, you just put the blood on. So really, we can we don't have to physically walk around, we can just use our hand and put it all the way around without having to move our legs. That And that works just fine. And by the way, they explain, and I, I didn't mention it because I, I think it's in Rashi, I thought that the Gemara would, would mention it, I thought the Gemara brought it out, but it didn't. I guess it's in the Rashi, that the machloket between Rabbi Yossi and Haglili and Rabbi Akiva of north versus south is based upon where they thought the curtain of the parochet opened. That according to Rabbi Yossi Haglili, the, the curtain of the parochet that is facing the Kodesh, there were two curtains, Right, its opening is on the north side. So when the Kohen Gadol comes out of the uh, out from the Kodesh Kodeshim, he's on the north side. That's why he goes to the northeast first. And according to Rabbi Akiva, the opening of the first curtain is on the south side. The the one that you went to the Kodesh Kodeshim is open on the north side. So when you come out of the Kodesh Kodeshim, the place where the Kohen Gadol will be is on the south side. And that's why he says that he starts with the south side. I thought that the Gemara mentioned it, but I guess just it must be from Rashi that makes that clear that that's the reason for south versus north difference. Okay, Bezrashem.